Hi, everyone. I'm John Strasner. And I'm Berta Alexander. And this is Break Some Dishes, an Imagine a Place production. We're here because we realize that sometimes to get something done, you've got to start by breaking stuff up. We talk with scientists, artists, activists, educators, adventurers, and of course, designers who are doing incredible things to save our planet. Verda is a designer and I'm a talker. So we want to share these amazing conversations with you in the hopes that you'll be as inspired and excited by them as we are. And you'll start breaking some dishes of your own. There's no time to lose. So welcome to Break Some Dishes. Hey, Ashley. We're here today with Ashley Gorey. She's a Canadian. We're getting very international, Verda. I'm impressed with our outreach. But Ashley started a – Ashley, I told you I wasn't going to introduce you, and I'm not going to, but I'm still a little excited to tell people about what you do. So Ashley started a company called Unwasted, uh, which basically is using discarded – plastic that would be bound for a landfill or one of our oceans and she's making furniture out of it and i've oversimplified it but ashley welcome to break some dishes tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're doing uh, thanks so much and thanks for having me uh yeah so so unwasted was created actually out of the pandemic which uh, i guess there are silver linings that uh, have come from all of this the the genesis of unwasted started right before the pandemic because i run an industrial design firm so industrial designers you know we we are already designing spaces so you know fixtures displays and interior design and so we were asked to consult on a project for a large petroleum company for the ergonomics of their gas stations, funny enough, and ironically enough. Uh, So we went to the sorting facilities to see just how the process of recycling and waste supply chain was after we threw our cups out into, you know, those waste containers. And it was it was just mind blowing to see that there, you know, the recycling system is just broken. Like mm. It just, it, 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 the infrastructure isn't there. And so we, we got a little angry and we decided that it was, uh, you know, we had this skill set to design. And so why don't we design with this material being reprocessed so that we can start diverting plastic from landfill and oceans and into, into products. So uh, that was sort of the genesis of, of how Unwasted yeah. started. And now we're designing and building mid-century modern furniture for out our living. I mean, we know we recycle, you know, 9% of our waste, which is ridiculous. And we all fall back on recycling as that's what's going to save the planet. So go ahead and use your plastic forks and bags and everything because we can recycle them. And we, we all need to stop believing in that. And this term aspirational recycling, which is where you alleviate your guilt because you're putting something in a recycle bin and you're in deny denial that Everything in that recycle bin, most of it will go into a land. I, I toured a, a recycling facility and a landfill myself. And I can tell you, Ashley, there's nothing more depressing or, or angering <laughs> than watching that. You're in Canada, right? Yes. Yeah. Wait, okay. I am Canadian and I'm so, in Canada. So you're seeing this waste in Canada as well. Cause I, 
keep thinking it's just us Americans who can't figure <laughs> out how to recycle our trash. But no, actually, show. surprisingly enough, uh, Canada is is uh, not is a, is a large culprit of um, you know not having the right infrastructure in place, and yeah. many countries ship their garbage out of their own countries, uh, and China was was a, a large uh, a large country that was bringing that that garbage in right. and it right. actually uh they started rejecting canadian garbage right. um or recycling sorry, here in the u.s as well they rejected ours yeah and uh and the reclassification of that recycling was uh classified as waste when it was returned or or being shipped to other countries like malaysia so it it just shows that there the contamination is there that what we're what we're saying is recycled is not necessarily recycled so you know the 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 biggest challenge for us um is we believe that you know we should not have single use anything yeah. so as far as i'm concerned you know the idea of reducing is the number one reusing so if we could get into you know the society where the milkman comes back and we start reusing mm-hmm. um containers mm-hmm. instead of of single use um that is what we believe in full stop but mm-hmm. there was this this element of well what are we going to do with the existing waste that is that is out there today. Plastic isn't going to go away immediately. And so what we wanted to do was sort of prop up this idea of the new plastic economy, which allows for us to take some of those plastics and start designing them in a circular manner so that we're we're getting more value out of those plastics instead of single use, you know, use and waste. Well, and we, we know that, Diverta, you remember when we had David Stover from Boreo, and he was the one, I think, that really first put the idea in, in our head that it's a design problem, right? The whole issue around our waste, our landfills, the, 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 the disruption of the circular economy, it is a design problem. And so I think it's absolutely poetic that we have a designer who's saying, yeah, <laughs> it's a design problem and we're going to, we're going to have to design our way out of it. That's, that's the bottom line. And it's not an American problem and it's not a Canadian problem and it's not about people. We're not all idiots. You know what I mean? But we assume we take the blame for that 9% number and we shouldn't be, you know? So. And and that was actually the psychology of that, right? When you, when, you know, you start communicating with everyday people about the fact that the recycling system is broken or the fact that by not washing out our, our tomato jars that we're contaminating, you know, a street's worth of recycling. Like that, that guilt on knowing or not knowing what the right things are to do because every region has different recycling rules and regulations depending on the waste haulers right. and, and the infrastructure that they have within their various states. So I, I, I think it's, it's, it's difficult to put the blame on the individual because it's an infrastructure problem. It's also how it's communicated to us. So I think it's business's responsibility now to start providing those opportunities for individuals to make change. Because I think, you know, if we, if we think about how big the problem is, you start to reflect on, okay, well, I'm just one person. What can I do to make change as just one individual yeah, single right, person? Right, right, and right. that's where, you know, when we started our Unwasted journey, we started it with actually commercial. So we started working with um, commercial partners to start designing and building, you know, property management solutions out of recycled materials, recycled metals, recycled stone, and recycled plastic. Um, but 
the message to the individual was getting lost. And it actually was was why we started creating our outdoor furniture. Because if somebody can vote with their dollar and make change by saying, I am choosing to purchase a recycled product, you know, and I understand that it costs more, I understand that it's domestically made. And I understand, you know, that that um, I am making a difference by this, this one choice. I think if more businesses provide this choice, you're going to see that that our, our um, economy becomes consumer driven. So like, we're a consumer to business company, we want them telling us what we're bringing to market because of their voting, their, yeah. their decision to move forward with us. Well, Verda, have you seen what the product looks like? Have you seen it? It's yeah, beautiful. yeah, I've seen. Yeah, it, totally. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's gorgeous. But I, I yeah, just going back a little bit to what you were just saying, it's one of my pet peeves is I, I go, I like to trash surf <laughs> at my office and at home. And I don't know how many times I've told my family, okay, this does not, this plastic <laughs> bag does not go in the recycling. You've just contaminated the entire thing. There is a dumpster diver. A dumpster <laughs> diver. But the, the other issue, and I think you almost touched on it with recycling and why it doesn't get 100% recycled or much more than what it is, is it's a ec- problem of economics and business, right? There has to be a value for that recycled, that that piece of plastic or bottle or aluminum can or whatever it is. And so what yeah. you're doing, which is amazing, is is creating a value for that. And I think if more companies created a value, we would we would recapture these plastic pieces yeah. out of the garbage. That's, that's really a critical piece, Verda. I think that's a great point. And I think also, Verda, you've talked about it, but I mean, you know, we need regulation. We need like a plastic oh. tax. Like if you're going to put, I'm, yeah, you're yes. excited. I'm glad about, you okay. asked because I'm ready with my, with my numbers here. Oh, but look with at you my... with your notes. Okay. I'm going to stand back. Everybody drum roll. Here's Verda. And I'd love to hear what, what you guys are doing in Canada. I'm really proud to be in California. I, when the 30 of wildfires hit, I was like ready to move. And I looked, I looked everywhere. I even looked in Connecticut. I know we talked about it. I was like, come live. <laughs> or John, John's in Connecticut, yeah. but it's so hard to leave this state. Um, I know it's going to be a challenge with droughts and wildfires, but we are so progressive. I'm so excited. We, we passed two laws, two bills into law last year. One is a single use bill where you have to ask for the utensils and they can't be bundled. You know how you get the fork and the spoon and the knife, like you get everything. It's it's like another one of my pet peeves. And then we also put into law a returnable bottle system, Mm. which I'm not quite sure how that's going to work. And then um, single use carry out bags. We're going to, we're going to be banning them completely. And I just think single use, just single use just needs to be completely outlawed. Everything single use. And we need Mm -hmm. to stop creating new single use things which i'm seeing all the time i'm like why yeah. why we need to just yeah yeah so it drives me crazy are you do you are you seeing some legislation in canada like this because i think this is this is the way to really although i have to say maybe it's going to take some some time but i haven't noticed any change at the restaurants that i go to yeah. they still throw the, the the spoon fork knife into my bag before I could even say, no, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we're seeing quite a lot of that in Canada. And I'm really, I'm quite impressed with our federal government. They've made, they've mandated and made single use, um, you know, a, a, a topic of, of great conversation and are, are legislating that 
you cannot use single use plastic. So if you're doing carry out, you know, they do ask you, do you want utensils? Um, almost all of the carry out containers are now either biodegradable or are recyclable because typically those those takeaway containers have not been recyclable in the past. So mm. it's good to see that. Um, I think the West Coast is is just in general more progressive <laughs> than other areas. Um, yeah. Our West Coast, uh, British Columbia actually is, is at the forefront of mandating a lot of these and actually are putting in place reusable cups. So this is, we're actually working on a program right now for reusable cup programs where you go to your Starbucks, you will get a reusable cup. It has a QR code on the bottom, you scan it. And um, and then so you, it just like the milkman, you're putting your 25 cent deposit down on that cup and you get it back when you put it into one of the reclaiming containers. So this yeah. is just, this, this type of legislation, I think we're going to start seeing a, a swell um, and it's going to change how we consume. Do you yeah. guys think that, do you guys think that the pandemic slowed us up a little bit? Yeah, um, and it's actually what really fed the passion project of Unwasted these last two years. I mean, as I said, we sort of landed on Unwasted right before the pandemic hit, and then the pandemic hit, and it was, and it, and we just just seeing single use, seeing apples being wrapped in Saran wrap um, oh, was, yeah. and and, it, and I, I understand. Listen, I think we, you know, we all at the beginning of the pandemic didn't understand or you know uh, all of the details that that we were getting as far as the the transmission of of uh, COVID. But it just it just was it, it slowed us down. Everything became single use again. And, and yeah. how we were packaging things because of our fear. And just seeing that amount of waste, it, it really did feel like we stalled out. But I, I feel that now with with our understanding and knowledge of of the virus that that we're actually re- returning back to pre pre 2020, which I think is and, and and I think that there's an intensity on on making sure that we move forward in a more accelerated manner to to affect some of this environmental change. I hope so. I feel like people have with the two years of being at home, they've they've gotten into habits of ordering through DoorDash or nowadays you can't even go to a coffee shop like Starbucks or Pete's without pre-ordering your drink. Otherwise you have to wait in this long, there's like nobody in this shop, but you're waiting 20 minutes for your coffee because they're making (laughs) mobile orders. And with the mobile order, you can't bring in your reusable cup. So there's, there's a yeah it's, yeah we got a little I feel like we're reset. backtracking a little bit we but anyways I want to get back to your product and your furniture I'm really happy that you said you hate single use because I was looking at you know doing my research ahead of time and you maybe it's because you used the word value you have this this quote on here what if we valued single use plastic in its second life so it's not that you value it in its first life but you value it no, as a, as, a, as a material for your products. But what happens, what would happen, like, just, let's just hypothesize, like, five years from now, single-use plastic is banned, and there's no more single-use plastic. What would you make your, what would you make your beautiful outdoor furniture from? I know, I used to say, you know, (laughs) success will be that we don't have any more material to make our products. That would be successful. Yeah, that would be. Wow. Um, But I, but I also, um, and I, and I should change that nomenclature a little bit. Um, Not all plastics are made equally, right? And so um, there really is, uh, you know, in terms of your, your water bottle, there's no um, 
opportunity other than potentially stringing it together for for textiles uh, for us to be utilizing that type of plastic PPE. So uh, the plastic that we use is actually a high density polyethylene and and it's used in um, post-consumer but also post-industrial manufacturing. So plumbing plumbing PVC or the dashboard of your car. Um, These things are all made from post-industrial plastics and then things like milk jugs are are made from from this type of material. So it's post-consumer, post-industrial that we are using for our products. And when we talk about value, it's to make sure that we're designing it with its end state in mind. And what you mentioned about corrugates and aluminum um, and metal, I mean, there's there's a reason why you have trucks driving around on garbage day to pick up the metal that's on the side of the street because there's an inherent value to it. So if we can increase the value associated with certain types of plastic, um, because not all plastics are made, made equally, then I think that we would we would be claiming it back instead of seeing it go to landfill. Yeah. Are there any, do you, I I mean, what limitations do you deal with in choosing to work with this material? Oh, so it's, it's interesting. We've, we are using traditional millwork. So we extrude in sheets. There's a lot of recycled uh, furniture fabricators out there. Um, And and what we really wanted to do with our, with our brand on Wasted was to sort of raise the design bar and to start, you know, integrating some, some different types of design shape and, and construction methodology. So we, um, we extrude in sheets and then we actually uh, CNC those sheets and use traditional millwork methodology to to bring to put them together. So, um, you know, we're, we are using this recycled HDPE, as I said, um, but our dream is is not just to, to stick with recycled plastics, it's to be circular in general. So we're starting to come out with cushions and those are made from soy-based foam instead of plastic-based foam or petroleum-based mm-hmm. foam. And it, and it will biodegrade over time. And so we're starting to look to recycled metals, recycled stone. So, you know, yeah. Our dream and intent is that we create a furniture company that redefines what the industry is doing as far as domestically, circularly made. And that would be the the goalscape for, for Unwasted. Your tables are beautiful and I re- I've got my eye on your Chase Lounge. It's Gorgeous. And it reminds me of maybe this is who you're about to mention, John Heirloom, Dave Bryant. So he has this new company. It's an interesting concept where they put a QR code code on a piece of furniture and it, it tells the story of this furniture as it's passed, as it lives its life being passed on. Because furniture can last hundreds of years. And I sure. imagine that you're except for the cushions that will biodegrade your plastic furniture will last also last hundreds of years. Right. So the idea, the best way to keep, to maintain a circular economy is to keep that furniture in, in use, right. In perpetuity. Yes. So our, our construction is built to last. I think it it might outlive us, but it also can be uh, deconstructed, reground and reformed into uh, new furniture. So we also will accept the furniture back. We'll do the oh. reform. We'll do the reforming. Um, and so that's oh. sort of what we mean about the circularity is that build it for build it for life, yeah. um, but also build it so that the materials can be used in a future state. You keep answering my questions before I ask them because that's 
That's a true circular. Stop it, Ashley. Damn it. <laughs> You're so ruining you, this whole podcast. So you accept an old, uh, you would accept something. Like if I bought this Chase Lounge and say 10 years from now, I don't know, maybe it got wobbly or something, which probably wouldn't. And I wanted to just send it back to you. You would accept it. Yeah, we would do a return program for sure. Grind it back up and turn it into something new. Because there's value in that plastic for us. There's value in us, you know, reusing that um, in in our construction. The take back programs are, I think, really essential to that circularity, Ashley, that you keep talking about. The challenge, and this is the way so many of the climate change initiatives work, you get into this rabbit hole. You know what I mean? Like, oh, we want to take back the product, but what if I'm in, what if I'm in New Zealand yeah. and I've got a Chase Lounge and I want you to take it back? And then you, we, oh my God, the carbon footprint of shipping that thing back, right? So, lo- local artisans and 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 you know, local programming obviously can help you with a lot of that. So that if somebody was in New Zealand and wanted to send their Chase Lounge back, you could give them a local person who was going to regrind it. But I don't know how realistic You almost need to create a, challenge. a worldwide network. But you do flat pack. Right, Everything right. you design is designed to be flat packed and shipped flat, right? Which helps. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's yeah, flat packed. Um, all of our corgate is 100%. Uh, it is all uh, formed in a solar powered facility. You know, it, so we are really, and and you're you're absolutely right, John. Like it's the the challenge around this sustainable space is is this definition of perfection, um, and 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 that is that's a real challenge, and I think it's a it's a barrier to entry for a, a lot of people, and and quite frankly, I mean, we we had to learn a lot about what was actually truly, you know, recycled, what's not, um, what's how, what's the process to make sure that what we're doing is, is sound, but it, it's not, a, it's not an easy path. And I think that it, to say we have to be a hundred percent is, is too difficult and we won't move the needle if that's the case. And there's a, there's a large cost to, to, you know, developing in a more sustainable way. Um, it's domestically fabricated. So we're not shipping from China. Um, there's domestic, you know, uh, labor that is put into, you know, de- de- designing and building and, and packing the units. Um, and so that that education and resetting consumers expectations is a, is a really big piece around, uh, especially the furniture industry, which has um, predominantly now been produced overseas. Yeah. I, I, were you an activist before you took on that job with the petroleum company and visited the recycling? <laughs> you appear to be an activist now, right? Yeah. So I, I, I would say, was I an activist? Um, no, I would say that I did my due diligence and I, I care. And so I was, you know, doing what I could on a day to day basis to, to make it better. Uh, I think what I realized through that pro- that project and and now subsequently through Unwasted is the education and the passion. If you, if you, and to, and to be an advocate, because every person that I talk to, has a little bit of a better understanding about why the system's broken 
if we can just share that little bit of information, um, you know, there's lobbyists out there who are who have been doing this for their lives. And, um, you know, I I truly believe that it's businesses responsibility governments with, you know, changing which government body body is in place and, and whether or not they stand for for environmental impact. um, That's going to continue to slow the process. So I think it's businesses responsibility. And as a as a CEO, and as somebody who believes in what we're trying to do, I, I, I think, you know, one chair at a time, if we can just educate people one chair at a time, or one conversation at a time, I think that we're moving yeah. in the right direction. Yeah, Verda, we kind of we, we've talked about this, we've danced around this a couple times when we talked with David and, and Judd from heirloom, and we've spoken with uh, Brandy, um, who's working mm-hmm. on taking back used furniture mm-hmm. and, and refurbishing and in order for it to work. So if we look at Ashley, you're, you had to commit, you had to buy into it. You had to decide you were going to, that this was the right thing to do. The challenge is that we all, as consumers, we need to have that same level of dedication to the environment. You know what I mean? And, and that's what you need. You need your consumers and you do a really nice job on your website explaining, you know, what it is you're trying to do and and what it's made out of, but at the end of the day, you know, our the consumer base needs to buy into it. They need to see the value of it. And I think that's where we struggle and that's where we get frustrated. Certainly, I have felt that. Um, I and I, I think you know part of what we talked about in terms of increasing the value of the plastics is is to be able to make it more affordable as well. The process, as I as I just mentioned, and so I think there's an element of I want to do the right thing uh, versus I can afford to do the right thing. And I think if if more businesses are playing in this space, we're going to be able to again inject more innovation, lower costs, make it more accessible. So I think there is an element of that 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 there's the want to do more and the ability to do more. And I think those those are two different things. But I, I do believe that the consumer today, especially the millennial consumers, they they are looking towards purpose led brands or products yeah, much more before they're looking at at a, you know sort of traditional yeah. traditional businesses or historic businesses it makes me think that i was i was took a little circular economy uh, lecture course a little while back and they were talking about how a true circular economy uh, you wouldn't have businesses that sold products you would have businesses that were in the service business. So is because that's ultimately the problem, right? Because you were talking about reducing the cost. And so if you sold me this Chase Lounge for half the price of what it what you're selling it now, I might be more inclined to just toss it in the trash at the end mm. of its life versus, you know, maybe if you leased it to me, or if it was that expensive and somehow I could recapture some of my money back when I took it to the recycler. Maybe there's a local recycler that you maybe you have a, a network of recyclers are all all around the world that that can turn your chair back into pellets and then ship it back to you. That probably would be a lot. There'd be a much smaller carbon footprint there. But it, I think ultimately, I think you're doing so many amazing things. But I think ultimately, we have to completely reinvent the system, and that's going to be quite the challenge. I I agree. I agree that there does need to be a complete system overhaul. Um, you know, we we started by just trying to reinform about domestically led 
sustainable products. And that was the, the, the sort of nut that we've sort of bitten off. But as I said, like our intention is to, is to, to move this circular economy and to move circular products forward. And if that, if that means a service economy instead, we will constantly innovate to try to, to move ourselves in that direction. Do you have a moonshot? Do you have some, what, like a next version 2.0 for unwasted? Yeah, I, I kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier. My moonshot is is that we become a homewares company made from all, you know, recycled and circular products. So uh, that mm. everything has, you know, the the certification as to where exactly it's come from, and uh, and that includes interiors, exteriors, textiles, um, and so that we're we're really, I mean, this is a, a huge industry. And, uh, you know, much of it is not sustainably uh, produced. And I think there's a lot of good companies out there who are who are trying to start sustainably fabricate in this way. Um, and so our goal is to be producing in all avenues of home homewares. So not just outdoor right now, we're, we're in the outdoor nice. category, uh, but utilizing multi-materials. So as I said, you know, you, you, using metals, using glass, using stones, uh, so that we can repurpose them so that we, we really yeah. try to divert as much as possible away from landfill. So you want to get gonna, indoors. And what about biodegradable? You mentioned those cushions. Are you going to explore that a little bit as well? Yes, absolutely. This is a, this year is our first foray into sort of the cushion world. Um, and, uh, and, and trying to produce them out of the soy based material that, it, and again, the one thing about sustainable or, um, you know, circular products, they have to stand up and have the quality, uh, to, and as we said, like to last. Um, and so it can't be a subpar product. So it takes quite a lot of R and D and, and ensuring that the right product is out there and, and it's going to last because if we're just producing for the sake of, of producing it, it really has to, um, you know, solve the issue that the customer wants long lasting, high quality products. And, and so quite a lot of innovation is required. Verda, you yeah. know, we have a friend that makes foam out of algae. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> we need I'm going to introduce yeah. you to him. Absolutely. Yeah, Ryan Hunt. That's right. Ryan Hunt Absolutely. Bloom. Yeah, makes foam out of algae. I don't know if I want my cushions to, you know, to biodegrade until I'm done with them. That's that's the that's the important thing yeah. to remember there. But Verda, we also that's, have to get uh, we 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 have to get Ashley and some of her pieces to Neocon this year. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ashley, that was my other th- question. So to buy your product, I know you have your website. Is that the only place I can buy them? Is there any place to see them in person? Yes, you're in the U.S. Are you working on that? Yes, we're starting to distribute to, to dealers throughout the U.S. Um, and so the, the the list of the dealers will be updated on our website. Right now, our website is is for for the U.S. the only place that they're available. Mm-hmm. But uh, coming coming soon to a dealer near you, it's uh, we're we're starting to um, you know get in get into local uh, local independence, and uh, so yeah. we're excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. What's been your experience too, Ashley? I know we have to wrap up here in a couple of minutes and um, we got your moonshot. So that's, that's always a good way to wrap up a session, but um, what's been your experience since you started this? Do you find that once you step over that threshold and you sort of enter into this realm of climate change and sustainability, and now you're, you're making your packaging in a solar powered facility. It sounds like, does it, 
take on a life of its own. And before you, you know, it's one opportunity turns into another opportunity and it just becomes easy for you to, to be better. Uh, it's a great question. And one that, um, is still is still a challenge when producing products, um, and and it will. And again, I keep going back to the cost piece, but to be informed on how to construct out of sustainable materials was the first step. It was you know a lot of trial and error on how are we going to you know how do we build with this material? How is it going to be? Uh, is it is it going to be structurally sound for for the you know the long term? And uh, and so that was the first step. So now that we have that confidence in the ability of the materials, now it's it's the sky's the limit. What can we yeah. do with this and who can we take it yeah. to? Um, one of the biggest things that we've seen is actually um, commercial partners. So, you know, companies, retailers coming and saying, I now need to manufacture in a more sustainable way and that there are there's there's budgets and funds to support how we build and that we build with with sustainable materials. And I think that's the most exciting thing. I mean, yes, the consumer side is is very exciting because I think, as I said earlier, individually, it's the education and it's the pride in knowing that you're making a difference. Um, but if it's if the commercial partners start doing it, that's where I think we're going to see more volume in in how you know we make this change um, and that the commitment is coming from businesses again. So that for sure, uh, that threshold has been an eye opener to see just how many interested parties there are from a business perspective, but not necessarily knowing how to get into the space. Um, not, you know, it's like, what materials can we work with? And so, yeah, that's, that's the biggest piece I think that we've seen over the last, last year. Mm. So cool. We, we just have to get people over that image. Do you guys remember when you were, when you were little kids, they had those toys you could buy and they were plastic beads and you mm -hmm. would put the little plastic things into like a shape, like a leprechaun yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And then you give it to your mom and she would iron yeah. it <laughs> and melt all the beads together. Yeah. <laughs> we have to remember that this is not that process. This is not that right. You know, so um, yeah, you're doing some great things, Ashley. It's so cool. I, you know, I love the look of what you're making. So it's, it's, beautiful it's you know, stuff. yeah, we don't even have that, you know, we used to have that, that misconception that if it was something recycled, it had to be ugly and you had to sacrifice. Oh, I know it looks like shit, but it's, you know, it's environmental. So I'm going to buy it. Not the case at all with unwasted, which is, it's beautiful stuff. So you're going to do great. Vert and I are going to find a way to get our hands on some of that stuff. And, uh, <laughs> I want the chase lounge. Perfect. Well, hopefully. No, hopefully. Don't, Ashley, don't give it to her because now, you know, she's going to return it in like five years to get it ground down. I mean, I wouldn't trust no, her. That's great. That's great. <laughs> Well, yeah. thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me. It was so great chatting with you guys. Great to hear what you did with your pandemic time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She was a little bit more productive than we were. We just started a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> If you've enjoyed today's episode, drop us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. To hear more trailblazers taking on the world's issues through the lens of design, visit us at breaksomedishes.com. I'm Verda Alexander. And I'm John Strasner. And you've been listening to Break Some Dishes.